We're at Canria, the Electricity Transformation Canada 2023 event. And because it's so icy, we decided to, to grab Daniela Roper, who was formerly with Borealis Wind, who is now VP at Fabric Air. So we have a lot to discuss icing-wise on turbine blades. It must be a huge discussion point this week because it, it is terrible outside. Yeah, it's there's covered. a half inch of ice on every Oh, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. It's, but, <laughs> but Couldn't ask for better marketing. No, yeah. this is great. <laughs> and the, the fantastic marketing that you guys did with the ice scrapers at the booth. Oh, yeah. perfect Spot timing. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah, i got to grab one of those before we leave. Yeah. Uh, Free ice protection systems for your vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> the base model. Yeah. So lots happened since we have spoken to Borealis and you, which I just realized, because uh, you reminded me, we, we talked in Copenhagen, which was earlier this year, but a lot has happened since then. So maybe yeah. you could give us a timeline of what, what you've been through over the last couple of months. So we spoke at the end of April, and in June, we closed a deal with Fabricare to become part of the Fabricare group. Fabricare is an HVAC company. They've been around for 50 years. They produce fabric ducting, which is used in many different industries, and they've been our fabric duct supplier since we started the company. And there was a very good strategic fit. Um, so as of June 1st, we are officially part of the Fabricare group, okay. and Borealis Wind is the product line in Fabricare. Otherwise, the system itself hasn't changed, so that stays the same. And we have some exciting developments with our business model that I want to share, but I don't know if I should do that yet. <laughs> well, let's work our way up to that. Okay. So Fabric Air, if you don't realize, uh, makes all the ducting for all the air conditioning and heating systems in a lot of factories and buildings around the world. Uh, in terms of your product though, it's like a toughened, almost like a fire hose consistency of material. It's a, right. Is it Kevlar? What, what is this magic fabric that, <laughs> that you stick in blades? We are using Cordura fabric, okay. which right. is a fabric you may have heard of. It's advertised yeah. on work pants, backpacks, yes. right, right. military gear. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's really tough stuff. Exactly. Okay. Well, this makes a lot of sense then. All right. So Fabric Air is based in Denmark, yes. right? But they have a lot of facilities all over the world. They're, they're a big company. Yes. They have offices worldwide, I believe, in 16 countries. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. That big. Yeah. And they have a manufacturing office in Lithuania, and they've also just opened one in Mexico. Okay. okay. So will you guys get to take advantage of that in the future? Our plan is to keep the manufacturing in Canada as we have it now. As we grow, there may be an opportunity where it makes sense to outsource some of that, um, but we'll we'll look at that down the road. Will you also keep your, like, basically the, the Borealis Wind team estate? the same yep and you guys are all still in Canada nobody's being forced to move to Denmark or anything like that no we're all still in Canada all still in our <laughs> office the team's the same products the same so in a lot of ways Borealis Wind still is um, we're still offering the same service and product that we were before but now with significantly more resources behind it right that move to fabric air and being a, a larger organization then opens up your envelope a little bit in terms of uh, the type of icing events you could possibly cover, right? Because part of the issue with the system originally was it's it's a little expensive uh, and that drove uh, you to be in sort of a limit ice, icing condition when you spoke at Winter Wind in Sweden. Uh, was that, that was this year also, right? That so, was oh, it, yeah. Oh my God, okay. 
So I've been a lot of places this year. So <laughs> in Winter Wind, uh, the presentation was really interesting and you had a lot of advocates for the system there. I was sitting next to a person who had used that system and couldn't believe how great it was. Uh, but it was a, a really severe icing. Pictures I saw was like massive amount of ice right. on, on turbines. It, the sweet point is to, to broaden that market space, right? to try to get down to the Texas exactly. freeze situation. Does Fabric Air now allow you to do expand that envelope a little bit? Yes, and I have so much to say, so okay. give me a minute because I'm excited about this. So, okay. so the misconception has always been that you need really severe icing to right. make a blade heating system or ice protection system make sense. Yeah. And our goal has been to break that misconception that you can have a blade heating system at a moderately ice site. And that has been our target. So we've been working in the class three, four, five icing right. um, severities, whereas previously it's like class five sites that were considered to need blade heating systems. Right. And our goal now with this is to access that class two market which is by far the largest market for icing. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. And the reason you can do that is what? What drives that opening up to get down to class two? So with these additional resources that we have access to and with Fabricare's um, 50 years of history in HVAC, we have a little bit more buying power than we did before. And our focus is on reducing the cost of the system through scale and yeah. through um, standardization of components. And also, we are pivoting to a system-as-a-service model. Okay. So our customers will pay an annual fee for the system, and we will be responsible for the installation of the equipment, maintenance, monitoring, everything. That's fantastic. And they will have a, I guess, a positive ROI every year. So yeah, they would sure. have icing recoveries that would be greater than the price they're paying for the system. And we guarantee the availability of the system as well. So we guarantee the system will be 95% available during wow. the winter. Wow, huge. So in any industry, in wind industry specifically, we see this all the time. It's hard for asset owners or uh, asset managers to want to adopt a new technology because they're taking a risk, right? I mean, we talk about it all the time with the Strike Tape product. We're constantly doing trials. We're, we're always having to prove the products. Nobody really wants to take a risk on something new. And while your product makes absolute sense pragmatically, it is a capital risk for all these people. What you guys are doing with that commercial model is taking the risk on basically yourself and making it simple for them to adopt it. And I, I think that's a novel approach. It's a fantastic idea. Well said. Thank you. You should be pitching this. I can. <laughs> for sale all the time. So uh, you're a SaaS model now. So if anybody is familiar with all the Silicon Valley talk, right? So a, a SaaS is a very popular model to fund uh, widely accepted concepts, right? You, you pick a SaaS model not because you're going to sell 10 of these things, you pick a SaaS model because you're going to sell thousands of these things. And that changes sort of the market dynamics on icing. Because the the the, the, the noise before, the complaint before was, oh, it's so expensive, I don't want to do it, right? That, that's yeah, the earth capital upfront. It's upfront capital, yep. right? The upfront capital would stop people from even discussing it. But you've, you've taken that away, opening the door to many more organizations and operators to take advantage of this. Yeah, and many more budget sectors within those organizations. Well, now yeah. you tap into OPEX money instead of just CapEx money. Right. Right. So the, if you're opening up OPEX money, I, I'm, I'm imagining how this goes. In the mechanical side of wind turbines, gearbox replacement, blade repair, all those are everybody pays up front. Everything's up front or maybe it's a little bit of leeway, but 
to come in with a mechanical system with a SaaS model is, is unique in wind, as far as I know. Not even the drone operators offer anything really like that too much. It, it, it tends to be pay for service as it's delivered. You're, you're sort of setting the industry on its head a little bit. How is that going? Well, this, this, this is probably, is this the first big conference you've been at since that this announcement? This is okay. the first big conference, yes. Okay, so what's the feedback so far? It has been good. Okay. And I have, I have seriously questioned our customers because I think the perspective can be, oh, they're just trying to make more money off of this by making it a SaaS model. And that is not the intention with this. We no, want yeah. to take the risk away from our customers. Right. So right. we want to take full responsibility for the system. We want to guarantee that it's going to be functional all winter. We want to make sure they're making their returns. We're, we're going to take the risk of the ROI on the hardware on, on us. Right. Right. Um, so what yeah. do you have to lose? I, I guess I'm, I'm working on it on the operator side. Uh, you come in, you install a system. I don't write you a check until it's installed, I assume, and then I send you a check for the year. Exactly. So we're basically trying to put money in people's pockets. And they, yeah, yeah I, if you're trying to give me money, I think yeah, the, the rule is to take is, it. Yeah, the business right. case is easy to quantify, right? Yeah. So you go to operator XYZ and say, how much downtime did you have last year? Your PPA price is this, this is how much you lost. We're going to give it to you for this and we're going to ma maintain it ourselves. Oh, okay. It seems, <laughs> it seems pretty simple to me. The business case yeah. doesn't take that long. I can scratch it on a napkin. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. Okay. But I, I'm. this is our first big conference presenting this concept, so... Well, we have good new. feedback so far. Yeah, it's new to industry, I, yeah. I, I think, at least in North America for the most part, which I think drives a really good discussion because your, your entry into that space is, couldn't have been better timing in yeah. terms of ERCOT. Right? Yeah. So Texas is trying to propose regulations that keep wind turbines up and running. Right? That's one of, and, and so there's been a lot of pushback in the industry to say, the operators to say, wow, everything's so expensive. You're just taking that argument away yeah. from and say, no, it's not. It's not expensive. In fact, it's going to save you money over the long run or even in the short run. You're going to be making money off the system every year. What it sounds like to me, and this is an overreaching statement maybe, but with uh, the Fabricare acquisition of Borealis Wind, you guys right now in building this new commercial model, having these resources behind you, it's like you're pulling the bow back right now. And January 1st, once winter hits, you guys are ready to let it fly right. and grow and grow and grow. And that's fantastic for you. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. If I'm interested in, in installing the system, what is the lead time? Now with Fabric Air, I assume there's obviously a lot more buying, buying power there and faster churn. A month can be installed? What's, what's, what's the flow look like? I call you and say, Daniela, sold me. Let's go. Well, it depends on the quantity too, okay. and, and it depends on the time of year. So, okay. I would say it's about a three-month lead time. Okay. And we typically don't install in January, February, but that could be different. If it's in Texas, it may not be an issue to install in January, February. That's right. what you want to be there. <laughs> yeah. So if, it, if it's a three-month lead time, that's People above industry standards. Right. Yeah. Lead times are six months to a year for a lot of components, if you can get them. Uh, to turn on a, a anti-ice system in a couple of weeks, really, is yeah, so amazing. If you're, if you're listening to this and you want uh, to have an anti-ice system, you need to call now. You oh, need yeah. to call now if you want it before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything new on the, on the product side in terms of development? Or, or what's the next generation look like? Maybe you should ask that question. Is the next generation coming? Because it must be coming. It is coming. 
and it is lighter than ever before. Nice. It has fewer metal components. It is, um, we've optimized the heating controls and we've upgraded our heater to maximize the power output. And I don't want to give too much away, so I'm trying to give you information without being too vague. Okay. But, um, and we've, over the past few months, we've been building a really comprehensive dashboard of the system that the site managers can have access to as well. But right now we're using it to monitor the systems. Okay. And the customers can have access to it as well if they're interested in it. So there's a cloud component to this. Yes. So what does that cloud component look like? If I'm an operator and I do want to see this, what am I, what am I looking at? So at the moment, our customers have access to a user interface that shows them all of the data from their site. Okay. Uh, what we've been building is we've been collecting all the data, putting it on the cloud, and putting it into a data visualization platform sure. that allows you to go through the data on a much more detailed scale than you're able to in our user interface right now. So if you want to look on a, like on a top level, what's the system performance overall, you can see that. Or you okay. can drill down and you can see down to each sensor output what's happening with the system. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's even like a debug feature if yeah. you're an operator to see how it's going on. Okay. Yeah. So that's very useful useful for you to, if there is an issue, you know immediately where to go and to and for our service, Yeah, for our service, service offerings. Tech. Our goal, so really what we want to do is kill this, this idea that blade heating systems are only for severely iced sites. Right, yeah. And that's why the functionality, like the, the availability of the system, the right. the efficiency of the system is so important, and that's why that data analytics and that uh, monitoring of the systems is also so important. Wow. Okay. So at, at the end, at the end of the day, uh, this cloud-based system is is it going to give you a sense of how much power you're producing versus what you would have produced? Like, yes. Is that, was that one of the options that's going to be on this thing? I hope. Yes, that okay. will be, and that is something we're monitoring now. Right now, it's. Um, we work with IceTech and they do the analysis of the performance as a third, separate third party, and we provide that to our customers, but we do want to build that into the cloud version as well, so you can see that live and see the oh, performance. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's it's a good sales tool. Oh, yeah, it's a fantastic sales tool. So let's talk IceTech for a minute, because we're going to have IceTech on the podcast, hopefully. IceTech is your ice detector manufacturer yes. system. It's, it's unique because it's sort of specialized to you a little bit because you're using sort of advanced techniques to detect when ice is about to occur, not after the fact, like well, ice is occurring, that's easy, right? It's the pre-buildup to ice, it's likely to occur. That gives you the advantage in terms of de-icing the blade, preventing icing right, but also lowering your the amount of power the system uses. Do you want to just Get into that a little bit because it's a, it's a complicated thing. When it was first described to me, I was like, oh, okay, I, I get it, I get it. But I think the main point is you're actually using less power to heat the blade. Yes. From my side on the operational thing with blades, I'm looking at it like this. If you know exactly when to turn that on so you don't actually build up ice, because built up ice is fatigue. Mm -hmm. It's fatigue. Ice throws are dangerous for people around, but they're really dangerous for your blades. I've seen a lot of insurance cases where you throw off a hunk of ice the size of a truck hood into the air and then the next blade comes around and hits it so you're with ice tech working in cohesion with your unit you won't have ice throws anymore because it'll be turning and it'll be turning on right at the right okay sorry now i just have to talk about that because you got me on a topic there are so many costs associated with icing that people don't realize 
And not only those those safety incidents, uh, techs refusing to work, downtime because your techs aren't able to access the turbine, damage, all that stuff, those are costs that people don't look at. But as we've seen with ICE Tech, and they can talk about this more than I can, they're seeing that customers are underestimating their icing performance loss by 40 to 50%. Because icing is wow. very hard to identify. If you're just looking at status codes, you're just looking at the times when the turbine knows it has ice on it, but there are a lot of other status codes that are caused by icing, but they don't come up as an icing status code, like a pitch error or tower vibration or something like that. Okay. Um, so, which is where you should tear. ask them about that, and listeners should tune in for that podcast as well yep. to hear from them. Uh, so I'll tell you about their sensor. Okay. I talked about it last time, and I got a little bit of flack from them that I it wasn't the best scientific description. <laughs> so you should ask them for that. Okay. Um, but they're measuring liquid water content, yeah. which is directly correlated to ice buildup on blades. And so as soon as they're they're measuring conditions, liquid water content, that would form ice on the blade, that tells us to trigger our system. So at that point, the blades are still free of ice. We get a head start. We can heat up the blades, prevent as much of that ice formation as possible. And that also tells us when we are outside of what we call our operational envelope. So if it's extremely severe, say it's minus 20 degrees Celsius, 15 meter per second wind, we would need much more power to keep the blades heated than right. we then it financially makes sense to, makes do. Sense to right. do. So in that case, it's better for us to wait until conditions warm up a little bit, turn the heating system on two hours or four hours later, and then remove the ice. So okay. that allows us to optimize how much consumption we have. On another note, I've also heard the misconception that blade heating systems use so much energy they don't make sense. It's also not true. So we use about 4% of the energy that's recovered by our system. We use 4% of that to heat the blades. That's, oh. that's a pretty good ROI. Yeah. Right. And, and the reason you were able to do that is how? So our system is only, so say for a two or three megawatt turbine, right. we're drawing 100 kilowatts. Okay. So if the turbine can operate, and in the winter capacity factors are typically higher, but say that if the turbine can operate at 60% of its three megawatt capacity, we're using a very small percentage of that to heat the blades or keep the blades heated. Okay, so in the, in the way that you're heating the blade, just to walk through this real quickly, is you have a basically a, a fabric tube that runs up along the leading edge, and it dumps hot air out at the top. Yes. And then that cycles back around the fabric tube, back down to your heater. So you're you're constantly keeping warm air warm. Same warm air. Right. You're not constantly the warming up cold air. You're, you've got this sort of nice warm space that you've built. So here's a question for you. Has anybody ever called you and said, hey, Daniela, we have the blade heating system. Can we warm the blade up and do an internal blade repair in the winter now? Actually, they have. And I, our teams, when they go for winter maintenance, they do warm the blade up for themselves a bit. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're on the system like, hey, we're going to be there in 15 minutes. Warm it up. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I would, too. It's a side perk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A warm, nice place to work. I like it. Hey, it's, it's better than trying to do something with your hands at yeah, minus 20. Up. Yeah, no way. Absolutely. You get qualified under an HSE consideration. We had to turn it on. We so, the, so now the, you have an improved system. Uh, you're making advancements in the cloud side and the data response side. 
it, it sounds like obviously you're taking advantage of the reliability of the system now to, to use it as a, as a SaaS product. That's got to be a huge advantage. And one of the, I know one of the questions that I hear about is these ice phobic coatings. Right, so ice phobic coatings tend to build up ice and then sling it. That seems to be the approach. It's slippery. Will they work in conjunction with your heating system? Like if somebody's already put the, an ice phobic coating on, it, which there's been a lot of trials of a lot of different systems. So there is some of that out there. Do, would they have to remove that system at all? Or would, just, would it even matter anymore? You could still operate with the coating that's on there. You can still operate with the coating that's on there. That, okay. That's no problem. Some of our customers have tried them together. That's not my data to share. Okay. Um, so the system works well, whether there's a, a coating on it or there's no coating on it. Right. So you don't need you don't need an isophobic coating for the heating system to work well. Okay. Because I've heard a lot of discussion like, well, if you put an isophobic coating on it, it just makes it work better. But your your the what your approach you're using is a little bit different than the isophobic coatings work. So the isophobic coating would even really matter anymore. I, I, I think they're getting ahead. You're, of you're way ahead of what the isophobic yeah. coatings are doing. Proactive versus yeah, it's more proactive thing. And I think you know the discussion we're hearing back from industry is there's a, a lifetime to that. So it, it lasts a, a couple of years. You have to reapply it with an internal heating system. It's sort of, especially the SaaS model, yeah, it's one and done. It's getting maintained right. anyways. Right, they're gonna come down and maintain it, so we're not to worry about it. So I think it's, it's On that topic of lifetime, I want to add a new perspective, a new thing to consider. Okay. So with the SaaS model, if, and unfortunately this is the case, but it, blades are almost being considered consumables at this point because there have been so many blade failures. Um, but one of the beauties of our system and the SAS model is that if you do have an issue with the blade, we can move the heating system to a different blade and it doesn't add any extra cost. Or if you decide to repower or upgrade, we can bring that heating system to the next blade. We can add a duct extension if the blade is a few meters longer, we'll add a duct extension and you're still able to use that same heating system. And our goal with the uh, software, or sorry, the system as a service model is that we want to reduce the waste created by our system. Right. So we want to repurpose as much as we can and refurbish as many components as we can to reduce the waste or what ends up in a landfill from our system. Right. Um, and that ties into that as well so that we can, we would reuse the same system for a larger blade and just add a duct extension. And you're keeping costs down for your client then as well. Yeah. And oh yeah, sure. So is repowering one of those places where your system gets installed? Is that the easy time? The, the blades are on the ground, they're going to put new blades up? That is that's a great the time. time. That's a, it's a great time. If okay. you're repowering, that's something I would think about. And it is going to be a factor in the Quebec market in Canada. It is planned to be a requirement for repowers that they will have to add a blade heating system because of wow. the impact of icing in Quebec. Yeah. When, when did that happen? That has just been in discussion in the last, I would say, year and a half. Is that just Quebec province or all the provinces? That's just the province of Quebec okay. at the moment. And it's not formalized yet. So none of the sites are at the point in Quebec yet where they will be repowered, but it has been, so that was a requirement in the RFP they did for new sites this okay. past year. Um, and it is planned to be a requirement for the repowers, but those are still, I would say they were still five, seven years away from that. Do you think Fabric Air was reading that bit of news when they purchased it? When they called you? Yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you what, you know, we, we talked with you guys at the last uh, few shows we've been at. Your booth now looks fantastic, completely upgraded. The Thank company you. has matured fantastically. 
congratulations on the on the Fabric Air acquisition. I think it's going to be big things on the horizon. Thank you, thank you. And for me, I want to say I'm really grateful for Fabric Air that their ambition and their support for this product is incredible. So I'm really excited to, mm. for what we're going to be able to do together. So if someone wants to reach out and get a hold of you and to put this new Borealis system by Fabric Air in, how do they do that? Check out our website. You, okay. It's easy to contact us through there. Is it borealiswind.com? Borealiswind.com or fabricair.com. You can find us on either one. Nice. Okay. You can find us through either email address. Um, LinkedIn? And on LinkedIn. Okay. And we have some really cool icing videos on LinkedIn if someone wants to check those I've out. I've seen some of that. They're very good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, and send us an email and we will set you up. All right. Well, Daniela, great to have you back on the podcast. And uh, we'll... We'll run into you again, but this is this is a sweet time for you. It's winter time. Go get some sales. Thank this you. Is awesome. And thank yeah. you for having me again. This is a pleasure. Absolutely.